release the hounds. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Video Dog Pound podcast. I'm Dan. And I am Casey. Together we are friendships, and we are also (laughs) glad to be talking in your ear holes. Yeah, glad to be back. Right now. Yep. You guys, uh, it has been a a fun couple weeks. It's been a whirlwind of events. A a whirlwind. A whirlwind. Um, Without going into all the craziness, uh, (laughs) we released a bag called the Viper GoPro bag. It's a sling bag that can uh, convert from a bandolier-style backpack thing to a fanny pack thing, and it holds your... GoPro holds accessories, um, manages cards, has a green and red pocket, a lot like the Fangs Wolf Pack does. Yep. And uh, we think it's pretty much the bestest. Yeah, it is by far uh, the the most intricate, the most like I don't know. I just feel like the we put the most into this bag that we have ever put into any of our products. Yeah. You know what I mean, like the amount of thought and like the I don't know, just. Just the work and emotion that went into this. And your poor mom. My poor mom. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Casey's mom makes all the products that fangsfilmgear.com puts out, right? She's a wonderful woman. She is a seamstress, grandmaster wizard. Yep. Um, and is the sweetest lady. And she has tirelessly... <laughs> Done revision after revision just until we were happy with it. Iteration after iteration on the on the Viper bag, and it just got just recently. It was like, yes, this yes, is it. This is this the is one. the one. Comes with a different strap that you can adjust. So depending on what size or what what body type you have, what size you are, whatever, it will fit you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we we put a lot of thought into that because we want whoever buys this to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, but it's it's awesome to be able to know that you have all your accessories, multiple GoPros, all your media just right there on you. You can pull that strap forward if you're wearing it uh, bandolier style and have it right there at your chest and just bam, bam, have all your gear right there and then whoop, throw it over your back. And you're ready to move on to your next, uh, your next shot, your next activity, whatever. Yeah, we used a early, uh, early production version of of these when we went up to Portland to shoot a concert. Yeah, um, Beartooth concert mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. Yeah, and and it was it was really great because yeah. uh, we had all our all our stuff with us and just like it was just nice because it's kind of a low pro- profile thing. You're in a really crowded room. Um, really easy to just access everything you need without, you know, carrying a big camera bag or just having your pocket stuff full like some Gosh, kind of yeah. crazy 90s kid carrying CDs home from <laughs> from the store or whatever. <laughs> Guys, just go back from the pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> just your, your Jinko's just full of, <laughs> of CD they're cases. They're bringing those back. Are they? I think they're bringing Jinko jeans back. I hope so. Man. Anyway, <laughs> uh, today we want to talk about a uh, really, really good uh, question that was brought up via email um, by a, a person named Bryce Kalal. And um, first of all, just want to say, um, please send us your questions. Please send us your comments. We love hearing feedback. We love uh, hearing about um, what you guys think about um, our our podcast, what you guys think about the topics we cover, all that stuff. And um, he he brought a 
Really interesting, really good question that um, is perfect for our podcast. Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, hey, guys, first of all, I love the Video Dog Pound podcast. I work for a small commercial photo and video studio in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes. In the last year or so, the video production gigs have been coming out of the woodwork. Good for business, but we are mostly self-taught video content producers, so we're always seeking new ways to improve our workflow. Your podcast has brought some sanity into my relatively new life as a crazy busy videographer. That's awesome. Yeah, we're glad, glad to help. Congratulations uh, on the gigs. By yeah, the way. that's awesome. That's, that's great. That's awesome. He says, I was wondering if you could provide some more insight about the process of capturing B-roll and how to manage shoot day sound video data to ease the editing process. We do a lot of corporate videos. We'll interview an employee about their workplace, sprinkle in footage of people working together and close-ups of machinery, etc. But on the day, it often feels like, um, um, so I guess we'll shoot this uh, spinny thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we argue about whether we should film the spinny thing with a two-camera setup or film it over a series of takes with one camera from different angles. Do we pull focus, zoom, pan, tilt, dolly move? Where does that inspiration mm. even come from? Right, right. Is there a formula for what shots need to be taken? How many times do you have to ask a non-actor employee, can you please spin the spinny thing again? In the editing room, when sifting through B-roll, we always feel like we've captured way too much. But then, after rejecting the useless stuff, I feel like we don't always have enough of what the story needs. What is the most efficient way to capture B-roll, and how do you keep track of all those takes when you only have two or three people on the team? Thanks, Bryce. Man. Um... For those of you who don't know, Casey and I come from a background working in reality television. We helped uh, edit, shoot, and produce the show Graveyard Cars, where he's almost describing exactly what we did every single day. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a lot of intricate, hey, I'm working on this piece of a car, and you need a person who... A, knows how to explain what the heck is going on, what they're talking about really well, who's yep. knowledgeable about it, and then... Instead of just having a whole sequence that's just a interview, just a talking head, mm -hmm. you need to put something interesting over it to spice up the edit, to make it visually interesting for the person watching. Sure. And that's where B-roll comes into play here. So, yeah, all of this is super important. Um, uh, of course, the B-roll that you get is going to be... It needs to be taken within the context of, uh, of the project, mm -hmm. right? So the B-roll needs to be appropriate. Um, but uh, Casey and I talked about this. We think it's a wonderful question. We definitely have experience and hopefully can bring a little more insight and hopefully give you a little bit of peace of mind when you're going into your next shoot. So pretty much the first thing I would say is that whenever you're going to go shoot B-roll, it's really important that you have a script. Um, you have some kind of idea of what you're doing right. beforehand. <clears throat> now, um, if you have a script, if it's like planned out like, you know, an actual commercial shoot or something like that, then you have that luxury. Right. You can figure out, okay, this is what the person's going to say. It would be great to have shots of blank, blank, and blank. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can almost see it in your head when you hear the person talking. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, if you have a script, that's great. Uh, and... and what we do is if we have a script, uh, we'll go through and make a list of all the things that we could see shooting B-roll for. Mm -hmm. um, and you want to make a list that's maybe a few like a few more items than you probably would need. So let's say uh, somebody's working on a car, right? We're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, if they're talking about, okay, the 
door latch on this car is really messed up, then we know that we're going to shoot the door latch. Um, in its messed up state. In its messed up state. Right. We also have to shoot him fixing it, if that's what he's talking about. Right. Um, all the little parts and pieces that go to it, the hand, you know, reaching out and grabbing the door latch, the inside parts moving, the outside parts moving, all that stuff. We make a list, and then we know kind of what, at least we can plan out what we want to try to get that day. Sure. Sure. And, and that's if you have a script. Now, you don't always have a script. Yeah. Sometimes you're just left with um, just the interview and you're trusting that the person doing the interview is going to provide you with enough information to where at least you can get start making like a mental checklist of what you need to get. Mm -hmm. And so one of the notes that we made here is to um, try to take notes while you're conducting the interview. Mm -hmm. And so if you have two people, right, you can hopefully pass that on to your second shooter or you can split that into uh, into teams after the interview's done. You can strike the set and then start getting the B-roll that's uh, pertinent to the interview you just shot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another thing that I think is um, really important, and of course, if you, if you have time to do this, then do it. If not, then just try to be efficient with the time you're given. But I would suggest, if at all possible, try to scout the location first. Yeah. Get an idea of your space. Get an idea of... Um, interesting places that are there. If it's a garage, then, you know, you want to try and find some interesting shots that's pertinent to the information being communicated by the interviewee. So you want to, you want to try and capture B-roll that encapsulates the entire process of whatever the person being interviewed is talking about, right? You want yeah. to capture shots that show um, the beginning, the middle, and the final result. Yeah. So um, how you do that, you know, it depends on it depends on a lot of things. Um, mostly, I would try to say you want to get at least I don't know two or three takes yeah. of of B roll. Um, if you have uh, if you have the ability to do different angles, you know you're always safe with a wide, a medium, and a close up. Yeah, of that stuff. So going back to your question, Bryce, about how many times do you ask the non-actor employee, can you please spin that spinny thing again? Yeah. You do it at least three times, mm. right? And if you have two people shooting, that means you have a total of six shots in those three takes. Yeah. And if you've coordinated well, your second shooter is going to be getting different angles, different frame rates, so you can do slow motion, you know, you, you can you can put the variety into those six shots right there, and you're only you're only using the non-actor employee person for a total of three takes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you you just want to be you want to be respectful of people's time. Um, if you when you're shooting B-roll, the point of it is to express whatever the you know the VO or something under it or the interview under it is saying. So if the guy spinning the spinny thing, whatever, on some big machine, um, if the first take was fine and there wasn't a problem with the camera, maybe do another one just in case you missed it. But like, you don't need to have him do the exact same thing, the exact same shot four times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do it once. If you think it was good, maybe get a close-up, you know, and then maybe move in for like a really extreme close-up or something. Sure. So at least you have different shots each time. And if it's if it's the same thing, um, then hopefully then one of those shots will work, you know, at 
worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you're not wasting this guy's time saying, okay, spin the thing a fifth time um, <laughs> because that guy has stuff to do and you probably have more shots to get. There's also the question of if you have two cameras, like should you have both cameras shooting your B-roll? Yeah. Um, it, I, I think that it, it doesn't really matter as long as you have, like if you have two cameras that are similar, you know, that will match well, there isn't like your really nice camera and then you have like your handy cam you yeah. know that's like yeah. a piece of crap compared to your other camera sure um you would always want to shoot with your nicer camera if you have one nice camera and one less nice camera but um if your cameras are the same yeah i mean definitely go ahead and shoot with two people um maybe the guy only has to spin the thing once you know and you can get two different close-ups of exactly whatever you're shooting exactly. um but i think it's important to coordinate with your shooters. So like if you're if you have one camera and your buddy's on another camera, mm-hmm. um, make sure you guys aren't shooting the same thing. It sounds obvious, but it's real easy to both like totally just be walking done. around with a yeah. camera and be like, all right, let's both get some good shots. And then right. one person gets a wide shot, another person gets a wide shot, maybe, you know, twenty minutes later, and you guys are just wasting time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's easy to do. Yeah. Another thing to keep in mind when you're getting B roll is to shoot more like general stuff than you think like mm. nothing nothing's written in stone that says like you have to get these super intricate beautiful shots that are like you know macro slow motion orbiting around you yeah. know or whatever um you can go outside and get a really nice just locked down wide angle shot of the building yeah. or something like that and those are so useful. Yeah. You'd be surprised how much you, you use just kind of the boring shots, but yeah. like, you know, you plan out like, okay, there's six different things the guy talks about in the video. Mm-hmm. You get shots of all the six different things, but then you don't think about like, okay, there's a four second gap in between these two things, like in the edit. What do I put there? Sure. You know? And yeah. so establishers are good, especially at the beginning and the end, um, or if you're changing location. Yeah. Or if you're talking about like the middle part of the process and it goes to a different part of the the factory or the building or whatever, then you get a nice wide shot of that space. Yeah. So you can put context around what the person's talking about. Exactly. Um, Also, like, just, I mean, we call it filler shots, but, you know, they're still important. I mean, they're still part of the... uh, Oh, yeah. The edit. It's just just funny because it's the type of B-roll that almost feels dumb. Yeah. Like, you're just (laughs) shooting it, and people are like, why are you shooting that? And you're like, I... I can't it's, explain it. It's going to be, I'm, I guarantee you I will use it. It'll be good. Shut up. And it's just, it's stuff like <laughs> people walking, like just follow an employee walking down the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's stuff like, you know, two people talking to each other, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody washing their hands, like stuff that like has no context. In our company, we call it the dumb hipster B-roll. Yes. Because it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. But if you put it over stuff, it actually helps the video feel really nice. Yeah, it really carries the, the information well. Yeah, that's why, like, anytime you see, like, a documentary about somebody or, like, um, you know, something on the Discovery Channel, uh, it's, like, the person walking down the street like walking into their building, like where they work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, them waiting for the elevator, like stuff that doesn't make any dang sense at all. But you're just like, man, that guy is so human. Man, yeah. I relate <laughs> to him so hard. Man, I also waited in an elevator once. Yeah. 
<laughs> I have eaten a hot dog before as well. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the dumb hipster filler B-roll, you cannot get enough of that, seriously. Yeah, it can go a long way, for sure. Also, you want to make sure that you're uh, using your time as efficiently as possible. Yeah. Um, again, this goes into a lot of having uh, having good uh, pre-production, right? Mm-hmm. Having a lot of pre-vis. Um, granted, this is probably going to be different um, on a project by project basis. Sure. But if you can at least try to get in the mindset ahead of time, yeah. I think you're going to find yourself, um, in, in a better place when you get down to crunch time for sure. Yeah. Especially if you can only go to the location once, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, or if it's far away, that's a that big deal. Thing. That's a big deal. If it's just, just down the street, efficient. you can be a little bit more sloppy, I guess, but if you're driving, you know, two hours away to, Oh yeah. If you're flying all, somewhere. Yeah. That's, uh, you want to make sure you get enough shots. I, I was working on a um, a project for, for graveyard cars, and we had sent a, um, a team of shooters to Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Hotlanta. Hotlanta. <clears throat> we're in Oregon, by the way. And they were there like, gosh, close to a week hmm. or something. Um, and all they were doing was interviews and B-roll. Yeah. And they came back with an amazing amount of stuff, but they had a week to get the amazing stuff, you yeah. know, like yeah. they, they brought back really awesome stuff that was appropriate for the time that they spent there. Yeah. If you're there for a day, I would fall back to, um, your, your, your super basic shots. Yeah. Cuz one of the one of the things that uh Bryce brought up here was, you know, do we pull focus? Do we zoom? Do we pan? Do we tilt? Do we dolly? Do all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Here are the three or four basic camera movements that are dirt cheap. Yeah. Okay? You can pan left to right, you can tilt, and you can rack focus. Yeah. And then there's a static shot. Yeah. Just just a static shot. Um you can do almost anything with those shots. Yeah. It, it, that's that's a thing, too, is, like, you feel like you need to make it um, fancy. And 90% of people watching, 90% of clients probably don't care if it's fancy. They want they care that their message gets across. Right, right. And um, they don't care how long it took you to get that shot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just what, what information is conveyed in the... Um, in the footage. Right. Now, a dolly shot might be awesome and it might be totally appropriate and the best shot that you can get. And if you have time and if the subject is good, like if there's um, if there's like a product going down a conveyor belt and you want to uh, dolly with it, like, like track with it. Yeah, yeah. That'd be sweet, right? That would be super cool. Yeah. But all of these things, um, just like any type of client work, uh, falls into the, um, I'm not sure what they call it, but it's the triangle of just reality, I guess the reality <laughs> triangle. Well, the, the productivity triangle. Yeah. I don't know. So the idea is that something can be fast or cheap or good, and you can pick two. Yeah. You can never have all three. You can't have all three. <laughs> so like a, uh, you know, just a static shot on something is fast and cheap, you know, and it works, but it's not like the most cinematic, amazing thing you could ever do. Sure. Yeah. Your Awesome dolly shot uh, will definitely be good, um, 
and it might be, I guess, cheap, but it won't be fast, like, because you have to set yeah, up the dolly, you right, know. Right. Um, it might take a lot of time to get that one take that's just perfect. And then in that hour that you sent setting up for that, you got one take. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, I guess it isn't really cheap then anyway, because you're you're not using your, your time wisely. But it kind of depends. Like, if somebody's paying you well, a ton of money and they want really good shots. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, then it's like, you know, you can, you'll have to give me more time and we'll have to set up and like close the whole building down. Sure. You know, it depends on, it depends on your situation. Like you can't always get the very best shot ever. It's right. It's really dependent on time and budget. You get the shot that works. <laughs> yeah. You, you get, you do the best you can basically with the time and the budget that you have. Correct. Also, while we're talking about the, um, you know, the pans and tilts racks, static shots, all those things. Um, one thing to keep in mind when you're getting those, those, those bread and butter shots, if you will, is the, uh, the pre and post roll, right? Mm. So when I say pre and post roll, I mean, after you hit the record button, don't move the camera for like 10 seconds. Yep. Then do your tilt, your pan, whatever your camera move is at, at a speed that is slower than you think. Yeah. Always go a little bit slower than you think. And then when you're done with the move, don't touch your camera for another 10 seconds. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you're getting three shots in that one in that one moment. In exactly. that one setup, you're getting three different shots. Yeah. You're getting the before, the move, and then the after. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just yeah, that's just good good way to um, manage good, your time. Good time you management. Know. Yeah. 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 And that's you know, that assumes that you're the beginning and the end of that shot, you know, you have the subject in the frame. Obviously, if you're like going from behind a wall or something where it's just a dark blur and then you like dolly out from the wall, obviously don't hang out on the dark wall for 10 seconds. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> yeah. But once sure. you're done, yeah, once yeah. you're done uh, dollying, definitely hang on the end for 10 seconds, yeah. you know? So. Doy. Doy. <laughs> Uh, moving on to the uh, like the post production side of it, mm. because uh, there was a a uh, portion of the uh, email that talked about like now that we're in the editing room and we're sifting through all this stuff, I feel like we capture way too much. But then after rejecting the useless stuff, I feel like we don't always ca have enough uh, for what the story needs. Sure, right? Um, I know you were you were the uh, Pretty much the DIT, like media management person yeah. here for our company. You were when we worked at the division. Um, I'm sure you have some some good insight on how to to manage footage and B-roll on the post-production side of the world. Yeah, pretty much uh, for B-roll. What, what I think is interesting is a lot of people really think like when you capture your B-roll that it's really um, efficient and helpful and good to rename all of your clips uh, to be descriptive of what the B-roll is. So if it's tilt up from parking lot, um, yeah. then you would call it, you know, tilt up from parking lot. And then the next clip you would say, uh, tilt up from parking lot too. Yeah. Whatever it is, you <laughs> yeah. would describe every single clip. And I mean, I guess that's helpful. Um, but it's really not that efficient. Yeah. Um, because that hour that you spent probably going through all of your shots and renaming them, first of all, if you're if you edit them, what you're going to do is bring them into Premiere or your NLE and open them up and look at each one anyway. Yep. Like 
So why did you rename them? Exactly. Um, what we always do is no matter what we shot, uh, we just name it the shoot name and then possibly the day. Like if if we did B-roll in the morning and interviews in the afternoon, maybe we'll dump the B-roll in the morning and call it, you know, blankety blank shoot B-roll. Right. You know, and then in right. the afternoon, blankety blank shoot interviews. interviews. Yeah. Sure. And it's yeah. two folders. But I would just call everything in that folder, you know, blankety blank B-roll and then just number the clips. For, for each camera. Sure. Because what you're going to do is bring them into your editor and you can just lay them out on the timeline. Just drag them to a timeline and then you can scroll through them and figure out what all of your exactly your good shots are. And exactly. you can even, if you want to, you can either mark them and uh, label the markers so you can easily find stuff or you can just cut them down, you know, and just keep the good shots. Yep. So once you're done looking through all your footage, which you would have already done anyway if you were renaming everything, you actually have all of the good clips trimmed and ready to put in your your video. Mm -hmm. And then you can just drag those from that timeline into a new timeline, and you don't you didn't spend a bunch of time needlessly going through and labeling stuff. Sure, sure. Um, also, you want to make sure that before you even like lay down any of your B-roll. You got to make sure that the the interview, like the 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 meat and potatoes of the video, is super tight. Yeah, like really, like almost locked in. Yeah, um, like music, everything, so that you can efficiently lay down B roll at key places that accent whatever the interviewer is talking about. Mm -hmm. um, again, it goes back to carrying the story, getting the idea across, getting the emotion across, whatever, whatever helps that happen. Mm -hmm. um, get the foundation laid down first because the B roll, that's like, that's like hanging pictures on the wall. That's like painting a room. That's like curtains, you know, that's like yeah. making, making a room fancy and, and, and exciting to be in visually. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the way that the way that we've worked this the system out, we use uh, Adobe Premiere Pro CC. What that particular NLE allows is for uh, multiple timeline editing, right? Mm. So um, Casey will go through. He'll dump all the footage. He'll name it. Everything's named and 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 organized beautifully. Um, then it comes to me to put the edit together, typically. Um, so I will take the B-roll timeline, which Casey just talked about there a little bit ago, lay it down in a separate window on top of my super tight edit of the interview. Mm -hmm. And so now I kind of have this like two up pancake timeline yeah. built into my editor. And you can just quickly just drag stuff down into where it feels good in the interview. Yeah. And you know where everything's at. You can see everything. And um, and hopefully you can get your edit done in a fraction of the time. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I feel like, I feel like we kind of have this like need as creative people to kind of build it perfectly from the beginning. And don't do that. You, what we found is <laughs> things work best in passes. And so oh, um, gosh, yeah. the first edit, uh, especially on something where it's interview driven, which is a lot of what we do, yeah. um, is you get that story like you were talking about um, really, really tight. And then um, once you have all the story and everything there, you go through it again and then cut out extra time, little pauses, stuff like that. So mm. it's even, you know, 30 seconds shorter, whatever yeah. it is. Any ums, uhs, burps, farts. All that stuff. Any of that stuff, cut all that out. Yep, definitely. <laughs> but um, it's, and what's funny is like, 
I don't know about you, Dan, but when I'm editing something like that, I don't even really look at the screen most of the time. Most of the time, I'm looking at the uh, the the waveform. The waveform. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because you're pretty much just doing audio editing. Because you know you can cut to a different camera, or you can put B-roll over it, or you know do something to make that edit feel good. Right. But you want all the audio and the information that's being conveyed to actually exactly. come across well. Exactly. So it's almost like, you know, the first pass is getting everything there. Second pass is tightening everything up. And then once you have everything tightened, it's kind of like, like you were saying, decorating or fixing problems or just kind of sure. doing that. Like, yeah. all right, now that I have everything built, now I'm going to make it work well, you yes. know, and yep. then you're done, mm-hmm. you know, and you've only gone through it you know, three or four times rather than build it from the very beginning. And then you realize, oh, crap, well, I already used this piece of B-roll. Like now I can't use it down here, you know? Sure. So Sure. And also in that process, um, have somebody else look at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we have a good system to where if we're working on stuff, we'll have each other, um, you know, hey, check out this edit. Because when you're, when you have so much uh, of your, of your mind dedicated to that project, like you can get snow blind, like super obvious mistakes or redundancies or things like that. And like, I'm grateful that you are super honest with <laughs> yeah. with me about things, um, because it's what it's what needs to happen for the best product yeah, to be delivered to, be to our client, right? Yeah. Um, so if we're doing a interview for you know heart support or whatever, and this person that we interviewed is is saying the same thing in a different way, yeah, four different times in an interview, case will be like, listen, man, he. This person just saying the same thing. You, this this twenty minute edit can literally be three minutes long, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, yep. You, you know what? You're totally right. Oh my gosh! And so that's where that's where those versions come into play. That's where those different passes go into play. Yeah. Um, and if you have two people, hopefully you have someone to kind of bounce this edit off of. Primarily, you don't want to do this with the client. No, you do not want to do this with the client. Um. You want to give them Goodness. something and then make it as easy for them to say yes or no. That's what yeah, you want. Yeah, you want yes or no responses to your emails. Yep. You don't say, what should we do here? In, I mean, unless you just really don't know and you're just completely confused. Yeah, or if there's some crazy miscommunication on something. Like, yeah. I get that. But you pretty much want to um, you, you pretty much want to do the same thing. That um, our our teacher wives do to children when yeah. they're working with children, yeah. right? You give that person two options, mm-hmm. and both of those options, you get what you want. Yeah. Do you want to pick up your room in five minutes or two minutes? Yeah. Man. Guess what? Your room's getting freaking picked up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so nice of you to give me that choice. <laughs> but it but it is kind of like that it in is the editing like world. That. And it's yeah. amazing how many times we default to that yeah. <laughs> when we're coordinating. And it's not that these people are stupid. It's that we it's speak just, a we different get language. Stuff done. We speak a different language. Yeah. And and we have different minds. Yeah. And and as as creative people, yes, we can be as professional as possible, but communication is hard. Yeah. And you are visually communicating someone else's information and they are going to care a lot about it. And yeah. you need to make sure that it looks good, but you also need to make sure that you're working efficiently or else you're just going to be spinning your wheels for weeks and yeah. you're not going to get closer to getting it done or the paycheck if that is happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's kind of some tips on B-roll with uh, some, you know, 
free uh, free tips for workflow and client <laughs> advice towards the end. Great question, by yeah, the way. Yeah, that was awesome. So yeah, please please email us, info at rthstudios.com. Uh, let us know if you have a, a topic or a question, and uh, we would love to cover it on the podcast. Totally. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, uh, leave them in the comments in SoundCloud uh, or email us at that email address. Mm -hmm. If you haven't followed us on SoundCloud, do that. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes, do that. Definitely do that. Definitely do that. Heavens. Um, If you are looking around... this uh, this Friday, this Black Friday for a oh, deal man. or Cyber Monday for a deal, we're going to be having some at uh, Ground Control and Weight Brigade and also Fangs. Those will be available. We're having a 30% off sale at uh, Weight Brigade and Ground Control this Friday. So um, check that out if you're in the mood for some LUTs or some sound effects. If you need camera gear, things to organize your batteries, yeah. uh, little lens pouches to help your lenses stay good, yeah. or a uh, sling bag thing for your GoPros. Thinking awesome maybe GoPro you should bag. Think about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, until then, until next time, when we talk near you again, um, I will forever be Casey Ferris. I will do my best to continue to be Dan Bernard. And we love your face, and we will strike the outro button. we love parts. Well, we love parts of your face. Where's the outro button? (sighs) Oh, there it is. For show notes on this episode, as well as more information on Wave Brigade, Ground Control Color, or Fangs Film Gear, go to rthstudios.com.